cute. It's huge. You know, you, you say it's a baby, but you ain't carrying it, right? You, you're not going to burp him, I promise you. But there's this big baby elephant, but then here comes the hyenas. How many of y'all know where this is going? What the hyenas trying to do? They're trying to separate that baby elephant, get it over there. Why? So that they could eat it. They want to devour it. So God is always trying to keep us with strength in numbers and unified. If you look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts, the Bible says that they sold all their possessions. They pooled the money together. That They gave. They served. They loved. They cried. They, they prayed. Their voices would go up to heaven together. And God's design for us is for us to have supernatural relationships. But you've got to put your dukes up. You've got to fight for some of these things. That They aren't going to come easy. So I want to give you five reasons why these types of relationships are important and the first one is is uh, if you want to grow spiritually or you could say we'll call it this spiritual growth if you got your worship guide you can write that down spiritual growth you need people in and around your life so that you can grow spiritually in other words you can't grow the way God wants you to grow all alone is there anybody here that feels like they're better than Jesus just by a show of hands, all y'all, the hands going up everywhere. Anybody here feels like, you know, I'm, I can do it better than Jesus. But no, none of us in here would say that that's true. And yet if you look at Jesus, he was born of a virgin, raised by a carpenter, right? He nursed from his mother. His daddy changed his diapers and taught him how to build tables. He was baptized by John the Baptist. And John was like, listen, I don't, I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. I'm not worthy to lace the straps on your sandals. And Jesus said, no, it has to be this way. God chose to make Jesus dependent upon other people. And if he needed people, how I many of y'all know you need people? You cannot do the will of God for your life without somebody to spot you. Let me ever go to the gym. I can tell, Brett, you mountain of a man. My gosh, how do you even fit in that shirt, Brett? Good night. Listen, if you go to the gym, I've frequented the gym myself few times none recently <laughs> i've been frequent in that that ice cream case yes lord but i have been known in times past to frequent the gym my wife included before we moved down here she had a lady named mitzi who would train her and Mitzi and I would be up there running on the treadmill. Mitzi would have my wife and Raquel and Darcy. And they're down there working out. And Mitzi's, you know, like she's training them and she's pushing them. And I don't know if you've ever worked out, but if you get in the gym, if you've got somebody there with you, you grow better, you grow faster. You're supposed to not get hurt unless they're a nut. You know, some people are like, sure, you can do it. Get under there. And uh, you don't have any business trying to bench that. Uh, but if you have people there with you, pushing you, telling you, uh, they're stacking the plates on, they're spotting you, then you can push more, you can do more, and you'll grow faster than you would just by yourself. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. If you go to the gym, he say, you going, you going to pick me up? All right, all right, we're going. And then you crawl up and you say, man, today's my max. I'm going to go for my max today. If you've got a good partner, they're slapping you on the behind, right? Come on, baby, you got this. They're rubbing your shoulders, putting some of that stuff up on your nose. Woo, here we go. And uh, 
and, and your, your, your ability to do more and to grow more, it greatly increases uh, once you have people there to help you. Listen, if that works in a natural realm, if naturally, if it's good for you to have people that say, eat this, don't eat that, right? Get this amount of sleep, push here, you can do it. If that'll work on your natural muscles, it'll absolutely work spiritually. You need people around you that say, don't feed on that, right? Don't, don't think about that, don't say that, feed on this, think this, quote this, remember this. They'll bring to your remembrance the things of God, the principles of God, and they'll cause your faith to grow. And if you don't have those people, you just won't grow as fast, and there's lots of people that, that, that they just don't grow as fast as they want to. I was reading an article by uh, Rick Warren this, this week, which some of you may know Rick Warren, some of you may not, but he wrote The Purpose Driven, uh, the Purpose Driven Life. How many of y'all familiar with that book? It's pretty popular. It's like second only to the Bible for the most copies sold. But he, he's writing an article, and he has 40,000 people in his small groups or his Bible studies. He has 25,000 people in his church, but every week he has 40,000 people all over California that get together and study the Bible together. So he decided, he says, I want to see if our small groups are doing a good job making disciples. Because we're not just providing a place for people to eat a ham sandwich. We want people to grow up and learn and understand the principles of God. So he did a study, a survey of people that went to the small group and people that didn't go to the small group. And uh, you've got the slide. Put it up there, William. There's a slide there that says... There it is, statistics. i got to hurry, y'all with me? In Jesus' name. William, I mean, come on. All right, the first one says, I have developed significant relationships in my church. Five out of ten said, no, I haven't developed any really relationships in my church. Eighty-nine, or almost you could basically say nine out of ten people that went to small group, they said, I have people at my church that I have a significant relationship with. You could say twice as many people. So sometimes you could be here and you say, I don't know anybody at that church. I'll quit with that. I am using my spiritual gifts to serve God and others. Again, 42% says I'm really not serving God. I'm really not serving people. 73%, almost three quarters, they said I am significantly, I'm serving God. I'm serving other people. I find myself thinking about biblical truths regularly. 45% versus 74%. I read my Bible regularly. 27% said, yeah, I read my Bible, 3 out of 10. Those that were participating in his small groups, 67% said, I read my Bible regularly. I pray regularly, 30% versus 64%. I study my Bible four times as much, 10% versus 42%. I pray in a group. I mean, I know some people say, I can't pray out loud. I don't want anybody to hear me. Well, my God, the book of Acts, everybody prayed together. They lifted their voice together. Well, watch what he found. He says, 
of people said, I'm comfortable praying in front of other people. In other words, 93 people out of 100 said, I'm not comfortable praying where people can hear me. But people in a small group, at least, he said, 36 out of 100 said, yeah, I don't mind people hearing me pray. You're five times, or they were five times more likely to share their faith if they were in a small group. They were two times more likely to obey God, even though it might be costly if they were in a small group. They were four times more likely to fast if they were in a small group they were two times more likely to serve in the community if they were in a group they were two times more likely to have regular responsibilities in the church they were three times more likely to mentor or disciple someone else why did he put out why did he do this study he wanted to know are we effectively making disciples what did he find out he found out that people in our group grow twice as fast as people who don't now I'm not saying this to push our small group I'm saying to say that you are maybe one relationship away or two relationship away or three relationships away from being two times three times four times or five times better at following Jesus than you are alone can I get an amen so lots of times we say, I want to grow spiritually. I got good news for you. If you'll get just a couple of the right people around you and some of the knuckleheads away from you, you have a twice as good a chance of being better at this time next year than you are right now. And it just has to do with the people that you surround yourself with. Two times, three times, four times, five times as likely to share your faith Read your Bible. I mean, I think it's important. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Say your prayers. Witness. Disciple. To do, actually do what Jesus said do. Believe it or not, it's weird. Uh, but to actually do what he said do is you can be exponentially better if you just get the right people around you. And I don't know about you, but I've proven it out. I've proven it. The people around me, they matter. So number one reason why you need this stuff is so that you can grow spiritually Romans chapter 1 verse 12 it says I want us to help each other with the faith that we have your faith will help me my faith will help you listen if it works in basketball how many y'all know it works in basketball there ain't one guy out there taking on the world no he's going to get posterized right he's going to get slammed on if it works in basketball if it works in academics how I many y'all seen the picture all the kids sitting around and they're at the library and they're all studying together why cuz you just do better usually depends on who your study partners are they just like bring ice cream and magazines probably not so much but if you got the right people there you can do better listen if it'll work there it works within the church number two reason why you need good friends you need people around you is for emotional support now listen, whenever I say emotional support, immediately we think whenever something bad happens, we need somebody there to support us emotionally. Whenever there's a tragedy or something, the, the wheels fall off, the train comes off the track, things have gotten bad, I need some emotional support. No, but the Bible says to rejoice with them that rejoice. And the Bible says to mourn with them that mourn. So in good times and in bad times, it's good to have some people there for emotional support. When you're sad, when you're, sad you're happy, you're glad, you're mad. It's good to have those people in your life. Listen, this may be one of the most important things I say all morning. Because I really felt like the Lord, 
uh, wanted me to share this. And that is many of you, sometimes you're here and you say, I feel like God doesn't hear me. I feel like whenever I pray, it's not leaving the room. I feel like he, he's not invested in me, that he's not listening to me. I feel like he doesn't care about me. I need to know that God, uh, emotionally, that he's for me. I'm weary. I'm weak. I need to feel God. This is what the Lord, Lord told me. Lord, Lord gave me to give you a very specific is the reason that you feel that way is not because God's not there. It's that God comes through other people to support those emotions. And if you aren't in relationship with those people, you're not going to feel that support. In other words, if you say, I'm too busy for that relationship, I'm too lazy for that relationship, uh, I don't want to invest into that relationship, you're not going to feel the comfort and the strength of God. Because many times, God brings emotional support most of the time through people. Somebody will ask you to coffee. And over that conversation, the voice of God comes through that individual and gives you exactly what you were looking for. And yet if you weren't there, then you would have missed out on the emotional support of God. And you think God's not listening. God says, I'm absolutely listening. I sent them on assignment to be there for you, to encourage you, to uplift you. But you negated that relationship and therefore you think I don't exist. And there'll be a day we all stand before God. And we're going to say, God, I needed you. And I thought that you were going to be there. And I thought that he's going to say, I sent 19 people to be my voice my help to you and you didn't have time your face was stuck in that stupid phone and rather than you getting what I had for you from an actual breathing individual you were trying to befriend knucklehead from 1994 and we thank God he don't, he don't hear my prayers oh shut up you aren't listening he sends people. He works through the body. He works through living stones. And he fits people and joins them. But if you segregate yourself and you say, I, I don't have time for that. I'm not interested in that. They're weird. I'm down. And we make excuses. Then we go through our life thinking, God, God, God's, God's not real. Listen, some of the greatest times that I've had is just being with people. And then I, I'm talking to them. And, and I know, I just know in my heart, God's talking. There's been times going through this whole building process, starting a church and stuff. I'll be talking to some random person, and then I just know, I just know that the words that they're saying, this isn't just regular conversation right here. This is God coming through, talking to me about interest rates, about uh, mortgages. He's talking to me about when to buy, where the city's moving, what's right, what's wrong. But because I maintain these relationships and I'm in tune with the person I'm talking to and I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit, that I know that this is not a regular conversation. But if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not there, then I just go through my life and say, oh, it's not working. Listen, and Moses, y'all remember Moses? Anybody ever heard of him? There's this guy named Moses. Moses in the Old Testament 
Uh, the Bible says that he was sitting there and a million people would come to him and they would bring their problems and they would say, oh, you know, he, he stole my goat, he shot my dog, uh, he's winking at my wife. And uh, they would bring these problems to Moses and Moses would judge them. But there came a day whenever Moses' father-in-law came up to him and he says, Moses, these people line up from sun up to sundown to tell you their problems and you're judging everybody's problems. He says, you're going to wear yourself out, you're going to wear your wife out, you're going to wear your kids out. You're going to mess everything up if you keep doing this by yourself. You need to do this, this, and this. And Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law, which it would have been easy to be like, get your butt back over there to your house. I mean, I felt like telling your father-in-law that. Mine's not here, so I can say that. This is me and my family butt out. But he didn't do that. He recognized this isn't just God's, this isn't just my, my father-in-law. He heeded the voice of Jethro and it totally changed his whole life. It saved his marriage, his relationship with his kids. And it, it, it did exactly what Jethro said it would do. Now, if he would have scorned that and said, no, that's not profitable, it wouldn't have worked. That few chapters later, you remember Moses, whenever he holds his hands up in the air, they're winning. Moses has got his staff up. Pretend I have a big white beard. And he stands here, he's got the staff up in the air, and as long as he's holding his hands up, then they would win in the valley below. They're fighting. But whenever Moses, the Bible says, he would get weary and he would get tired. Have you ever worshipped the Lord before? God, I love you. I'll do anything for you. But like I said, Lord, I'll do anything for you. My God, I'm tired. Moses here, as long as his hands are up, he's winning. But the Bible says Moses became weary. Emotionally, he's getting drained. He's doing the work of God, serving the people of God. He's fighting battles, but he just becomes weary. How many ever became weary before? The Bible says Aaron and Hur. That's a guy's name, believe it or not. Don't ask me. Aaron and Hur came and they held up Moses' arms until they were completely victorious and they won. What would happen if, if, if Moses would have ran Aaron off? He wouldn't have had time for Aaron. Wouldn't have had time for Aaron. No. Uh, Moses fostered that relationship. He recognized. And whenever he needed emotional support, it came through individuals. Number two reason why you need friends is emotional support. 58 times in the Bible, you see these words, one another's. The Bible says carry one another's burdens. The Bible says lift up one another. The Bible says help one another. The Bible says share one another. 58 times the Bible says one another. What's God trying to tell us 58 times? That we need one another. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. It says carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I'll say it one more time. God's support comes through those that you're supposed to be in relationship with. God hears you. I want you to know that. The third reason why you need these relationships is for social enjoyment or you could just say fun. I mean, I know life's better whenever you got somebody to, to have fun with. I like to have fun. I was at uh, Mike. Is Mike here? Is Mike Williams here? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Uh, I was at Mike's uh, mother's homegoing and uh, she went to heaven, went to, went to be with Jesus. And we, me and Mike were standing around talking to uh, a friend of his and mine named uh, Stephen. And Stephen said, listen, if, if whenever y'all are at my funeral, I want people to take the microphone and I want them to say, remember that time? And then say, that was awesome. 
Remember that time? And that was awesome. And I don't know about you, but, but I, have, I have some of those remember that time. How I many have any of those remember that time? Remember that time I went to the Braves game and Frank decided to go streaking? That was awesome. Remember, remember that time that we did this? Remember that time we did that? Oh, that was awesome. Remember, remember that time? Oh, man, that was awesome. Listen, in each one of us, we all have these silly remember that times, right? We have these silly types of times. It's like, man, remember that time we did this? And I could give you some, but I ain't. But it was awesome. Remember that? Oh, man, it was, it was awesome. But I believe, too, that spiritually you need people around you. If you think about in the Old Testament, I love Joshua and Caleb. And you can just see Joshua looking over to Caleb and saying, Caleb, you remember that time? We, we were in that prostitute's house. And everybody was wondering why we're in there. They probably thought we were doing something we weren't supposed to be doing. And then she let us down out of her window in a basket. I mean, I remember that story in the Old Testament. They're, they're looking for Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb hide out in this prostitute's house. And then the, she lets them down in a basket down the walls of Jericho. And then they come back. They defeat Jericho. They spare her and her whole family. But you can just see them saying, remember that time we thought we were done in. And they thought they had us cornered. But God used some prostitute in a basket to deliver us from the enemy. Saying, that was awesome. That was just awesome. Peter, remember that time you got out of the boat, started walking on water, and then you sank. Ah, ah, that was awesome. Remember, remember that time Jesus, Jesus wouldn't quit preaching. He'd been preaching like three days. And we we're like, Jesus, please, quit preaching, please, quit preaching, Jesus, please. And we got out here for three days. Let's tell Jesus that maybe they're hungry. Oh, Jesus, they're hungry. We need to send them away. And Jesus said, bring me the loaves and the fishes. And then he multiplied. Man, that was, man, that was just nasty. Awesome. Remember that time, remember that time, remember that time? Listen, at the end of your life, you want to be able to think about people you were with that whenever the chips were down and things sucked, that you had people that said, man, we stood in the gap and, and we fought through it. God showed up. We didn't know how it was going to happen, but somehow it happened. It didn't look like everybody thought that it wasn't going to work out, but God made a way where there didn't seem to be no way, and it was awesome. We just made it out, and it was awesome. Listen, you need people like that just, just to have fun, just enjoy life. Let me give you this verse, and then I've got to move on. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. In other words, we like to think of that as just being a marriage scripture. But listen, if you look at the whole context of scripture, you find out this is not Jesus just talking about married couples. Because in general, you see Joshua and Caleb, and you see David and Jonathan, and you see Paul and Timothy, and you see Moses and Aaron, and you see not couples just being linked together. You see two, three, two people, three people, five people, the 12 spies, the 12 disciples. You see God strategically putting people together so that they can say, remember that time? That was awesome. So that they can experience the support of God. And so that they can grow to a level that they never could have gone to without somebody spotting them and pushing them. So you and I, we need these people. I'm not going to give you the next two. I'm going to give you those next week because I'm running out of time. I'm going to skip and I'm going to give you some hows. So if you recognize, you say, man, I, I, I know that I need these types of relationships in my life. So I want to I want to give you some hows. How do you how do you acquire uh, these types of relationships? I mean I know you can learn. 
You can grow and you can be better. You can be a better friend this go around than you were the last go around. Because I don't know, you know, for me, I wasn't always a good friend. There were times it's like I dropped the ball. How many ever dropped the ball? Come on, I've dropped the ball as a friend. But, you know, we can be better this go around than we were the last go around. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. Very simple. How do, how do you be a friend or how do you get friends like this? Jesus said it like this. If you just summarize all of it up into one. He says, do for others what you would like them to do for you. Be the friend that you would like to have. Treat people the way you want to be treated. You will attract what you are. Most people think that they attract what they want. You don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. So if you want certain people, then if you'll be that to other people, Jesus guaranteed, he says, you'll attract that to yourself. Another verse says like this. It says, he who has friends must show himself to be friendly. In other words, if you want friends like this, then you got to be a friend like this. And I, there's six of these golden rules I'm going to give you. If you, if you want to attract people like this, then uh, how, how, do, how do I do that? So the first one is, is it takes time. Everybody say time. T-I-M-E. So in other words, if you want a relationship like this, then you have to go ahead and be uh, settled in your heart, in your life, that th these things take time. You could say it like this, is relationships like this don't happen on accident. How many of y'all would like to just stumble into a good relationship like this? How many of y'all know that you don't stumble into them? That they don't happen on accident. How many of y'all know they aren't cheap? Sometimes these things aren't cheap. That they aren't accidental and they aren't always easy. You have to go ahead and, and purpose in your heart to show up. You know what it means to show up. That means whenever a friend needs you, where are you at? You're where they actually need you to be. And this stuff, it takes some time. It takes some commitment. It takes some effort. How, how many of y'all lived here whenever Rita came through? I didn't. Some of y'all lived here whenever, whenever Rita came through. Uh, I lived in, in Woodworth. Anybody know where Woodworth is? You want to know what you need to know about Woodworth? Slow down. That's all you need to know about Woodworth. Slow down. That's it. That's all that's there. Just slow down. But I was, uh, we were living up there, and my, my in-laws are from down here. And my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my grandmother-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, they all evacuated from Lake Charles to Woodworth. Because why? Well, because Rita was coming. So they were trying to get away from Rita, and yet whenever they got to my house, uh, my mother-in-law was standing in the kitchen, and this giant tree... And I couldn't even put my arms around it. This giant tree fell right through my kitchen. And she had to dive into uh, the living room. It almost got her. Just kidding. Uh, almost. It, it almost. She had to dive in there to get away from this giant tree. So all these people evacuated to my house thinking that they were coming to uh, a safe haven. They were not. So this giant tree falls through my it goes through my dining room table. And my little 90-year-old great-grandmother, man, and you can imagine the wind and the rain, man, it's just pouring into the house. And I wasn't home. And my wife was uh, eight and a half months pregnant. 
Yes, the story just gets better and better, doesn't it? You couldn't write it this good. So I went to go get a generator. How many of you ever been in one of those runs before? You're going to pay about four times more than it's worth. Oh, yeah, but we're on a generator run right now. Me and my dad, we're up there standing in line trying to get, you know, there's three generators and 300 people, and here we wait. So we're up there trying to get this generator. Unbeknownst to us, this giant tree has fallen through my pregnant wife's home, about killed my mother-in-law, squished my table, and now all of the rain, all that stuff's coming down. And, uh, and then we drive in, and I, we actually got a generator. I thought, yes, yeah, she married a good man. I got one. She, yes, she'll be so proud. And I pull up, and she's crying. She's crying. But, but what I saw was on the roof was Matt Sharon and Aaron Hankins and Mark Hankins and Jerry Gore and Matt Rocket. I had about five guys up there. I didn't call them, didn't ask them to be there. They all got their chainsaws out. And there, by the time I get there, well, what are they doing? People showed up. People that I needed to show up, even without me asking them to show up. They didn't come on accident. They didn't come that it was convenient. And they didn't come because they didn't have anything else better to do. But something happened whenever I showed up and those guys are on the roof chainsawing that tree. And listen, if you want those type of people in your life, then you got to be somebody that, that's willing to invest your own time. Number one, if you want these types of relationships, you've got to count the cost and be willing to be that type of individual. Number two is people got to be able to trust you. Everybody say trust. People got to be able to trust you. There's three things that the Bible says that you and I can do to establish trust with people. If you want people to trust you, there's three things scripturally. I'll give you the scriptures here. The Bible says if you do these three things, people will trust you. How many of y'all know you aren't going to have any friends? People can't trust you. You're not coming over if they think you're stealing from them. You won't come but once, at least in my house. I can't speak for everybody. But if people think that they can't trust you, then that you'll never have lasting, long-lasting relationships. The number one way that, that people establish trust is by you being reliable, dependable, trustworthy. Reliable just means that you aren't a flake. Have you ever had people flake out on you? Yeah, I'll be there. Psych. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll show up. And they just flake out on you. Listen, what do we love about Jesus? Come on, let's think about Jesus here for a second. Let's get him back in this. We love that he's dependable. He's faithful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. How many of you ever thought you don't know what Jesus is doing before? Come on, I've thought a hundred times. I thought, Jesus, I don't know what you're thinking. I would have never thought that it was going to work that way. It worked this way. Jesus, I don't know what you're waiting on. I, we've been doing, we've been going around this merry-go-round for three years. What you waiting on, Jesus? How many ever talk to Jesus like this? Jesus, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know your time frame that you're doing it. But at the end of the day, it may be one year or five years later, but there's going to come a point when you totally realize and understand what he was doing, why he was doing it, and then you throw up your hands and you say, Jesus, you're faithful. You're faithful. I would have never thought that it was going to go down like that. And yet it totally went down. It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. But it did happen. And that's how we trust. Or that's why we trust Jesus. It's because he's trustworthy. 
He's earned our trust. Why? Because he's dependable. He's reliable. He's faithful. Even though we can't all the time figure it out. So if you want people to, 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 to befriend you, then here, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Many people claim to be a friend, but it's rare to find someone who is truly, what? Trustworthy. How many of you have people claim to be a friend? Come on, this is out of the Bible. He says many people claim to be a friend, but it's truly rare to find somebody that's totally trustworthy. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 70, 17. It says, a friend loves you when? All the time. All the time, a true friend, they're always there. They're totally reliable. If somebody is, is erratic, if they're always breaking their word, if they're fickle, if they're inconsistent, if they're hot or cold, these people really aren't a friend. The second way you establish trust according to the word of God is by being loyal. How many of y'all know what it means to be loyal? I grew up in the, in the 80s. How many of y'all grew up in the 80s? In the 80s, there was brand loyalty. You were either Coke or Pepsi, baby. And you pull up to the Taco Bell, you say, yeah, I want a Coke. And they say, will you take Pepsi? Arr! No, I won't take Pepsi. Arr! And You are Coke or you are Pepsi? You are Chevy or what? Found on roadside dead. Ford. That, that's what you were. You're, either, you're one or the other, baby. And you had this loyalty to these. How many of y'all know in 2015, a lot of that's gone? People really aren't loyal to their friends. They aren't really loyal to their church. They aren't really loyal to Jesus. Jesus said that one of the signs of the times is that there'll be people who aren't hot and they aren't cold. They're just lukewarm. I'm a Christian on Sunday, but on Monday it's debatable. I'm a Christian on Sunday and Friday night I for sure ain't a Christian. And, there, and Jesus said, he says, that makes me want to puke. That's what he says in the book of Revelations. So listen, if you're trying to get friends into your life, if it makes Jesus vomit, it'll make them vomit too. That people want loyalty. Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A true friend is always loyal. And a brother is born for a time to help in a time of need. A quick list. How do you show loyalty? Loyal friends change their plans to help you out. Loyal friends show up in an emergency. Loyal friends help clean up after everyone leaves the party. How many y'all know some of them? How many y'all glad they're there? Loyal friends support you when you've made a mistake. Loyal friends will defend you when you are criticized. Proverbs 19.22. These are all scriptures here now. I'm not making this stuff up. Loyalty makes a person attractive. I ain't got no friends. There is a way to attract friends. Here he says you earn trust by being loyal. The last way you earn trust according to scriptures is by being confidential. I mean you know what confidential means. You're not a gossip. One of the things the Bible says. The Bible says that there's seven things that God hates. Really interesting. I could come up with what I would think would be more than seven. And I would come up with a different thing. One of the seven is the Bible says he hates a gossip. Listen, if every person in here needs somebody, a safe place that they can confide in. You need somebody in your life. Not just your pastor, but you need somebody in your life that you can tell things to confidentially. 
I remember I was standing, uh, I'll never forget, we were standing outside of a shop. We had been cutting grass, and a friend came up to me and he says, you got a minute? And I'm thinking, yeah, I got a minute, whatever. And uh, he's like, uh, you know, we've been married. Me and my wife have been married for a couple years. And he says, but I'm struggling with pornography. He says, I, I'm, uh, I'm having a hard time here. He says, I don't want to do it, but I just find myself, you know, I just the computer's open or whatever, yada, yada, yada. So we talked about it. We prayed about it. And uh, he's telling me something in confidence. How many of you know what that means? He's being, I'm at that moment being a confidant or somebody that, that, that he could confide in. And, and what I do with that information has a lot to do with how good of friends we are later. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? So in your life, you need some people that are your confidants. That, that you can, they hold you accountable, you hold them accountable, and you can confide in them with complete confidentiality, right? So there's some people that, that are your comrades. And that just means y'all fight for the same things, y'all like the same things. But you can't confide in all of them. Why? Because they're blabbermouths. You need some people that are safe. They're a safe place for you. That you can confide in them. And they'll be there for you. They're loyal. They're trustworthy. And they're confidential. Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 13. It says a true friend will keep a secret. A true friend must be able to say your secret is safe with me. Another translation says no one who gossips can be trusted. But you can put your confidence in someone who is trustworthy. Three ways the Bible says that we establish trust. And if you'll do that. Then you'll, you'll have people in your life. That you can trust. Listen I only made it through two. Next week I'll give you the next two. Of why this is important. And then the last four. Of how we establish this. Listen this is your homework. This is what I want you to work on. Is I want you to. Evaluate the people that are in your life. Are they loyal? Are they trustworthy? Are they reliable? Evaluate those people. And then evaluate your own self. Am I trustworthy? Am I loyal? Am I reliable? Am I dependable? I want you to take those. I want you to evaluate yourself. Evaluate other people. And begin to identify people in your life listen God wants you to grow spiritually and you're just a couple of relationships away from being two three four five times better next year at this time than you are right now and it's not because you may just going to read your Bible more no people God wants to use people so that you can go further faster than you're going now God wants to use people to support you when you're weary, you're tired, you're upset, you're frustrated, you're glad, you're excited. He wants to use people to support you at those times. But you have to recognize these individuals and then you need to evaluate. Say, am I trustworthy, reliable, dependable? Is this person knucklehead? Are they propelling me to the call of God? Or are they taking me from the call of God? And I'm not saying you can't have friends that are sinners. I got a bunch of sinning heathen friends. Right? I have some, some, you know, streakers. Right? I mean, you don't know what that dude's going to do. And I have friends with them, but they have no influence over me. Zero. I ain't going to the club. They have no influence over me. 
I don't know how much influence I got over them, but they ain't got none over me when it comes to doing the will of God for my life. Am I friends with them? Oh, yeah. Talk to them. Oh, yeah, we're buddies. But if you want to find me, you know where I'll be. And it won't be with you if that's where you're at. Jesus was a friend of the sinner. He hung out with whores, prostitutes, tax collectors, crooks, but they had no influence over him. When he died, he died sinless. He sinned not. And it wasn't because he wasn't around it. It's because they had no influence over him. He was the leader of the pack. And if they didn't like it, they could hit the bricks. So I'm not saying you can't hang with those people. But that's, you'll know. You'll know. The Holy Spirit will let you know. Listen, I want you to get supernatural relationships in your life so you'll grow, be supported, and you'll see God do some great things in your life. And you can say, man, remember that time? That was awesome. God showed up. He wants to show up for you, with you, through you. We've got to pray. Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Father God, that you supernaturally bring people into our life. That you set us in our place. We're living stones, part of the body of Christ. We recognize the devil's always trying to bring division. But Holy Spirit, you're always trying to bring unity. We pray, I pray for every person here this week, that they understand that you want to support them. You want them to grow. That you're for them. There's people that you've put in their life that if they won't be too busy... If they'll recognize those relationships, evaluate them, make any adjustments necessary to foster those relationships, then they'll grow two, three, or four, or five times faster. Thank you, Lord, for your word, the entrance of your word this morning, giving light and understanding. I thank you, Lord, that you're building amongst us a sure foundation. You're building a place that when the storms of life come, we can run to each other and under the, the anointing of God and be saved.